Fear will find you. Look in the face and then punch it in the face. Like... <laughs> My name is Tony Vicenda. I live in Philly where I work as a missionary, speaker, and I run a small company called Catholic Bomb. My name is Bobby Angel. I'm a teacher, campus minister in California with my wife and crazy children. And even though we do all those things, again, first and foremost, we are sons, husbands, fathers, and brothers. So one of the things Tony and I have been talking about over the last year is how to help men live lives of virtue, follow God's will, and find a brotherhood together. So this year on this podcast, Bearded Virtue, we're building this conversation based around Bobby's amazing new book, pray, decide, and don't worry, and then following it up with monthly conversations about how we can live virtuous lives. I'm excited to break down the book with you all and get some other special guests on to talk about the process and how you can make a decision with God and and get living. So let's get into it. Bobby, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Tony? I am good. It is early for me, but not as early as it is for you. Is the sun even up on the West Coast yet? No, we we have no sun in existence as of yet. This is uh, in the wee hours of the morning where the children will not come busting in to terrorize me that we can record this in peace. <laughs> Hopefully. And how many kids do you have again? Tell everybody. Well, uh, we are blessed with three little ones, a five-year-old girl, three-and-a-half-year-old girl, and then almost two-year-old boy. <laughs> They're they're, uh, nuts. they're awesome. They're funny. We're we're doing well. They're great. That is the best kind of craziness at this age. The kind of craziness where it's also still adorable before they get into the uh, the teenage years, like all my all four of mine are. I've got our youngest is ten. She's oh no, she just turned eleven. She's a grade up now though. She has three older brothers going up to fifteen, about to turn sixteen. So they're less adorable at this age when they are crazy, insane, or. <laughs> Or angry. So, um, and how's Jackie doing? Jackie's doing great. It's yeah. It's always the balance of of ministry, home life, you know, leisure, like real leisure, not like just vegging on your phone, which is all too easy to do. But like, tend in the garden. Like we grew pumpkins this year again. They take a lot of water, dude. Much more efficient to go buy your own pumpkin. But it's been fun to, like the third year in a row, grow our own pumpkins. I like how when you say tending the garden, that's not just a spiritual metaphor. You're not like, oh, we're, you know, we're just daily tending the garden. Like, it's a thing that y'all do. It's a part of your... Oh, yeah, the weeds of your soul. It's like, no, no, no. Like, these flipping annoying weeds. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, we're in the same place. We're trying to enter into more of that flow. Uh, we just moved from Seattle to Philly uh, to start a new missionary project in our neighborhood. And so living life more intentionally, like doing things that you feel kind of dumb, like, yeah, I could have just gone and bought my own pumpkins or, hey, we could just own a, a car. Like we live in an urban center and there's there's mass transit, but I've gone to buy groceries twice now. And both times I bought way more than fits in our little like rolling hand cart that will go on the bus and had to figure out how to get like 10 extra bags of groceries the mile and a half back to our house. And so it just forces you to live in kind of a way more intentional way when you have things that actually depend on other people or on God's rhythms and <laughs> not but you, just, but, but you do it darn it all you fit every bag oh yeah part. like and then I complain to my wife when I get home about how much I'm hurting and how I need to go lay down and can you please put away the groceries instead of just realizing like yeah this is my own fault like and she realizes it's my own fault and she's very clear 
about, you know, like making sure that she keeps me humble and <laughs> that she lets me know, like, there's only so much room in that cart. And she reminds me two or three times every time before I go. Uh, but yeah, just, just in the same way that you don't, you don't want to have to make more than one trip to the car for groceries. You just want to load them all up and kill yourself, but there's no car now. There's just the grocery store and home. Can you, why don't you tell people a little bit about kind of who you are uh, and what you do in the world? Well, what do I do? <laughs> people are like, what do you do all day? I just want to like, uh, um, so I was born and raised in Tampa Bay, Florida. So yes, I am a Florida man, as my students love to remind me. Um, they still Google their, their challenge, which um, makes me proud. And um, went through uh, college. Eventually, the seminary was discerning God's call to the priesthood and had a really great three years in seminary formation before feeling called to marriage. And in that time, we met a friend who's uh, now my wife of over seven years. We've got three little kids. I've been blessed to work at an all boys Catholic high school here in California where my wife grew up and been doing that. I'm in my eighth year of doing that, which is wild. And so I love just the whole conversation about formation of young people, masculine formation, the virtues, because that's, that's the meat and potatoes of life is how do I be a good person? What characteristics, what habits can I form to be better? And for me, it was a long process of, of wanting to do God's will, but fighting against it, wanting to do my own thing. The recent book Jackie and I wrote together, uh, along with some contributions from Father Mike Schmitz, Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents, uh, <laughs> has to deal with those questions of like, what am I called to do? And then what if I'm too afraid to do it? Can I make the wrong decision? I was the 20-year-old overthinking everything, petrified of making the wrong choice. And so you end up just paralyzed and not making any choice. And God has had to move me to action many points in my life because I was too afraid to do it myself. I'm there with you. Having moved from, you know, starting in, I, I was born in Texas, grew up in Texas, was always Catholic, didn't always know. Like, I always believed God exists. Like, I don't remember a time of disbelief um, in the in the traditional sense. Like I've always been at least a deist. Like even when I was probably a heretic, I was always at least yeah. <laughs> uh, a deist, but was always very active in my church, lived in the Texas area my entire life. And then I felt like I was discerning a lot of the time. I felt like I was trying to like seek out a life of virtue. And I was, I mean, I was in actual ministry. Like I had a, had a deep encounter with God when I was 16 that really trying to started to shift that. Uh, I also had kind of a, a real backlash of temptation and actually like demonic affliction, which we don't need to go into right now, but that's a conversation for another time. And then ended up in public ministry and working for the church and thought I was discerning. And then it's really taken God kicking my butt a couple of times, like you said, to get me to realize, hey, I'm not always in this flow. Like I'm not always in this flow of discernment. I've oftentimes let virtue uh, or the idea of virtue become moralism, like just the idea of if I'm behaving well, that I'm living a virtual life as opposed to a virtuous life rather than actually pursuing virtue in my own life. And I think discernment is one of the biggest challenges that guys face today. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you. It's actually really funny. I was looking back at the notes from a year ago when you and I started talking about this. And it was, I, I'm sure you may have already known the book was in process at the time, but discernment was like a note we had made. Like, what if we were talking about discernment along with virtue formation? And um, when I saw the book coming out, I was just super thrilled. It's such a needed thing. And we have so many 
men who, through the work we do at Catholic Bomb Co., through the Nazarite Challenge, through other things that that I do, people ask me tons of questions about how to make a significant change in their life, how they step out in extraordinary faith. And there haven't been a lot of good modern resources for for that, things that are really accessible that pull together some of what the best of what the church has to offer in a really accessible way. We we reduce discernment to um, to just like, hey, am I going to be a priest or am I going to get married or am I going to be a, a chaste, you know, single person my entire life? That's kind of where we put discernment. And in all of my talks to college students, I've always pushed back on that. Uh, but there hasn't been a good place to point them for more. There's like the books like Discernment of Spirits and other things like that from Ignatian Spirituality, which we'll probably touch on a couple of episodes from now. But I'm just, I was super thrilled by that. And I'm so excited that we actually get to use it as a way to kind of lead people into this conversation about both discernment and virtue uh, ongoing. But uh, the book that you guys were talking about, what what kind of led up to you wanting to do that? I know you, you've been through a lot of discernment in your life, but what were some of the like final factors that let you and Jackie know, like, this is a good time to write this book? I can't believe it was a year ago we talked about that because the, the process was already, we were in it. And the book has been something in the back of my head and heart, I think, since I moved to California and just knowing kind of the ups and downs of what discernment is and the agony. And I'm a melancholic spirit, like I'm a melancholic temperament. So that bleeds out into my woe is me and the universe is so vast and I'm so small and how can I make a dent in it? Kind of like attitude sometimes and the joy of the adventure of discerning God's will uh, needs to be reminded to me. <laughs> and so, um, and I know I wasn't the only one. I knew I wasn't the only one and really kind of bought into their faith and wanting to serve God, but not having a clue of how to read the signs, how to go deeper in prayer, and, and then how to make that decision, like actually pull the trigger and, and do it. And so um, it started actually my first year working at the school. I was introduced to a young man who's in graduate school now. He may go get a doctorate. He just got engaged. This guy is like stud. At the time was a junior and really seriously considering the priesthood, went from a freshman atheist to a junior considering the priesthood and walking with him as he started his college adventure and felt guilty about wanting to pursue a girl. And I think it's the same girl he's you know now engaged to, but like he felt guilty because he's like, I've been thinking about this priesthood thing for so long. And I said, listen, dude, you're like a freshman in college. Like you got a lot of time. And if God's been like, you know, because he, he told me the priesthood question had kind of waned. Again, was feeling guilty about wanting to date this girl. And and I'm like, listen, like God, right now God's calling you to be a college freshman. Like you take it one year at a time. And again, if you're trying to establish a friendship and pursue this girl in a chaste way, like go for it. Like you're gonna learn more about her, about you. If the priesthood thing is still like following you around in a year or two, we'll talk about that. And then so out of those conversations was really like, man, like I feel like I've been through the ups and downs. I could probably write something. And from the the rough, the, the rough draft, the sloppy copy, as we call it in kindergarten, <laughs> to now, dude, it was vast. It was like a bunch of letters written to this. He was my audience, all you know, all young people, but through this one guy. The way it's gotten chopped and edited and broken down. And two summers ago, I essentially just wrote the thing. I just sat down every night and at the Word document and just if it was, you know, if it was crappy, it was crappy. If it was decent. It was decent. I just wrote it again through the editing process. It got chopped and reworked into what it is. And I'm super proud of the final product. I think it's really accessible. I think it's going to 
bless a lot of people. Exactly like you said, it's not just, am I called to be a priest or religious? It's, am I called to move? Am I called to date this person? Am I called to go to this school or make a job shift? Or maybe it is priesthood, but we wanted it to be broad enough for every person who's trying to walk with God and make a big decision. And I think that's what you said about making sure that that guy's taking it a year at a time, I think is so important. Like, again, when we reduce it to just like, hey, what's my lifelong vocation instead of what is God calling me to right now? Yeah, we miss yeah. such a huge part of what discernment is. And so I love that. So I want to talk about this. What is the the second biggest decision you've ever had to make or that you've had to discern around? Yeah, the second biggest, like the second biggest decision you've ever had to, to make. I mean, like, because I feel like if we say what's the first biggest, we're going to end up on, hey, uh, the to follow Jesus, right, um, or uh, to get married or whatever our lifelong vocation is. Which that may be a part of it for you because you've you've kind of just turned through that a couple of different times. Uh, I know. So what's the what do you feel like is like one of the biggest? Like maybe not second, but top three to five. I was I was thinking about this. I think am I allowed to say the biggest? Yeah, you say the biggest. So the biggest one is probably to leave the fire department to go to the seminary. Hmm. And through that, the second biggest thing was then to leave the seminary to go pursue Jackie. And we knew we were going to get married. It was just was this, you know, when you know, and that's a really annoying expression when you don't know. And right. You know, you don't have that clarity, but that there was, but to... To leave stability and a job with a pension and everything to go and follow Jesus in that total way was, I think, the biggest decision, which then God's providential hand and timing led to the events that brought Jackie and I together. It hurts my head to try to rewind the tape and think, like, if I delayed it by a year, if I entered seminary earlier, would we have ever met? Like, that hurts my head when I think of the timeline. But to then leave the stability and the new world I had was in of the seminary priesthood life to then go back to, you know, the working world and uh, pursue this woman was a whole nother radical shift and a radical shift of trust to say, okay, God, I trust we're going to, I'm going to get a job. I'll work at a Chinese restaurant if I have to, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to let you guide the steps here. Like that, yeah. that was a re abandoning all over again saying, God, I, I thought, you know, I thought I, I know I discerned well the path, and now it looks like we're changing again. So here we go. Yeah, and I, and I love that when you know you discerned well. Like this is in the top five, but it's not the second biggest. The second biggest is the move we just made across the country as a family, quitting two jobs and deciding to go live as missionaries. That's probably the second biggest decision uh, I've ever made. But when we were looking at moving up to Seattle, we discerned. We discerned really well. We knew that's where God was calling us. I was there ten ten months, and I was like man, I know you called me here, but I know it was not for this job. And I know we discerned really well. I know that you wanted me to be here as a youth minister, but I don't, I don't understand why this is a pastor that hates me, sold me a bill of goods. Like <laughs> it's a community that's, that's really struggling. And so I, I know you've got me here. I know you want me to do good work, but I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And so, but then I, I never would have ended up working for the best parish I've ever worked for if I hadn't done that. And I wouldn't have learned as much about discernment if I hadn't been spent time with a deacon from that first parish um, who really just started teaching me some of the baby steps of practically how do I pray for God to reveal his will. And this is at a time where I'm, I'm already talking to people about discernment. I'm already sharing a lot of what we know about that, but it was God starting to form within me 
the, an, a deeper understanding of what discernment looks like. And so for the for the next five weeks, for the listeners out there, we're going to just kind of walk through some of the different chapters of the book. It's not going to be a book study proper. It's going to be a conversation, but we do want to hit some of those points. I don't have it yet, but there should be down in the show notes a code for you to be able to get uh, some money off ordering the book that Bobby wrote from Ascension Press. So if you want to uh, read that along with us, um, it should be in the Nazarite Challenge emails you've got and some of the other advertising stuff. But as we're recording this, I don't have it yet um, to be able to pick that book up. So if you want to go with us over these five weeks through that process, that's great. We know a lot of people make huge life-changing decisions during the Nazarite Challenge. If you're like, what's the Nazarite Challenge? I'm not doing that right now. Don't worry about it. You can go down to the show notes and use that code uh, to get money, uh, uh, to get some a discount on the book because we'd love you to be able to walk through the whole thing practically, but we're just going to talk around it. So let's get into some of the meat of it, uh, Bobby. I know that, that the first kind of chapter that y'all identified is seek, but can you tell us kind of what the movement that you walked people through in the book were, uh, like just whether that's the chapter titles or kind of the general process that you're, you're laying out? Sure. So Jackie and I both had some great mentors and priests along the way. I had some great, awesome priest professors in my seminary time. And that really formed me and kind of gave me these foundations. And I'm like, again, some of the stuff I'm like, man, I wish I would have known this in college. Like this would have saved me a lot of heartache. This would have saved me a lot of agony and prayer. It would have helped me stay in the present moment. And so it's, you know, we all love numbers. Like take these 10 steps and you'll be whatever. Like, you know, you won't believe number three. That's stupid clickbait. The book, it, it says it's um, pray, decide, and don't worry. It's a five-step guide to discerning God's will. And it's not like do these five steps and within an hour, you're going to know your vocation or you're going to know, <laughs> but it's five benchmarks along the path that you can stop. And again, the book is really like you read a little bit, you stop, put it down, come back to it when you need to. You can read straight through it probably within an hour. But if you're in a discerning process, you know, it's not a super quick decision. Like you have to kind of wrestle with stuff. And so the five benchmarks are one, seek, to, to know what's going on in your own heart, first of all. What's the question? What's the question you're looking at or maybe avoiding? The second one is to search out and discern the whole, like, know, like search your feelings, Luke. Like, there's truth in, in in knowing, like, what's going on in my up and down, in my heart, in my emotions. Like, I'm fickle. Like, I, I'm really excited about this job or this college one day, and the next day I'm not. And so where's the truth in that? The third part is silence is the necessity of prayer, of actually quieting myself down and allowing God time to talk. If we believe God is is who he says he is, then he all is the Father always trying to reach out and speak to our hearts. But that requires that we listen. And that is tough in a technological age of all this noise and apps and everything. And you know, a lot of it's good, but it also clouds out our ability to hear God. The fourth step is sorting out like Imagining you've got all the data uh, you've researched, spread out in front of you on a table, and now sifting through of like, it's again, it's probably between two or more good options you're trying to figure out. If it was one good option, one bad, it, it would be an easy decision. <laughs> but it's, you know, uh, stuff to help you out there because, again, that can be overwhelming. And then the fifth one is the action, is actually stepping out, which I think is what our generation is we need more and more help there because we want to stay in our head we want to just do everything perfect we want to not fail and that's part of the thing is taking action is you know what you may make a mistake but how like clarity will come from the doing and inaction is action 
and you may miss some opportunities if you just sit there and never make a move. And I don't want to get too ahead, but like you can take small steps without totally dumping your whole life and jumping into something yeah. new that you may not even know you love yet. Like there, there's no harm in taking a small step in dabbling and trying something on the side to see if like, do I even enjoy this? And so that may happen within a week. That may happen within years. These, these kind of this process. So it really is a process. It's not a, you use five steps and within an hour, you're going to know everything God wants you to do. Right. Which is why we're doing this over the course of a month initially, but the reality is it wouldn't necessarily just take a month. Like a month might be enough for a, a small to, to lower medium sized decision. Right. Yeah. Um, and obviously like there are times like God gives us revelation, like that's a part of discernment. The God just says, this is what I desire for you, right? That he speaks clearly to our heart. But even within that, we typically need uh, reaffirmment, those small steps that we start to do where God continues to speak to, to speak to that. And we're going to, we're going to kind of continue to cover this. Uh, most of these episodes will be about, about 25 minutes. This first one will probably go a little bit longer just because we want to get into it, kind of orient you to what's going on and kind of give you all a heads up about who we are and the journey that we're wanting to go on together. But um, uh, stepping back after, out of that five-step process, let's just look at that first one, uh, Bobby, uh, the concept of seeking. So can you tell us what seeking is all about or kind of how do we make the the first step in that? How do we seek? So the first words out of Jesus's mouth in the Gospel of John, he's walking on the shore and the fishermen are there and, and he essentially says, what do you seek? What are you looking for? If it's New York, it'd be like, what do you, what do you want? What are you looking for? And it's the question, like, you know, it's not the nativity scene. It's not baby Jesus. It's full grown Jesus confronting us with what are you looking for? What's the cry of your heart right now? What decision is weighing on your heart? So that's the starting point is what are you seeking? And uh, be honest there. What are you trying to run away from? What are you excited about? Like what's kind of maybe the adventure presenting itself that you are fearing? So the first step is really knowing this call knowing this decision that God may be entrusting to you. And what's important too is, is sometimes we all jump to the action. We want to jump to the vocation. We want to jump to the mission. Um, and there's several ministry models that r- recognize you have to, to take a step back and, and start with identity, um, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing who you are as a son or daughter of God and really believing that. There's that Hill song, song like Who You Say I Am. Or we just did at my school, we just rolled out for the first time, No Longer Slaves. Mm. And the student who sang it killed it. He's just awesome. He's he's like the the soul of Johnny Cash reincarnated in this kid. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Like, And I'm just thinking, like, if we really, really believe that in our, in our heart of hearts, that we are a child of God, that he knows us, he cares about us, and we walked in that complete trust how different would our day look? How different would our decision-making process look? And so before we even jump to the nitty-gritty stuff of the action, the first step is knowing the question along with reminding yourself or maybe for the first time really internalizing that fact that you are loved by God. He cares about you. He is guiding all things, allowing ill, allowing sickness perhaps, allowing the consequences of our sin and yet also never abandoning us, never giving us up, always trying to to guide what's going on to bring us back to him. And we rest in that, we're going to have a greater confidence in actually moving towards the decision 
later on. So yeah, and I I love those first two. Um, I know there's there's one more step, but I want to name like asking big questions, like knowing the cry of your heart is something that we usually don't take the time to do in this process. Um, and, and so I love that that's where you start. I'm, I'm a Socratic temperament. Like that's how I pursue knowledge is asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. So for me, I never realized kind of how natural that was for me, but I oftentimes didn't turn it internally. And the other thing I love about the way you named it and the way the church names it is knowing who you are. Like in our culture today, we oftentimes hear young people trying to decide who they are or find out who they are as opposed to receiving the identity that they have been given. And that's a huge loss for each and every one of us. It's not just young people, it's all of us. We tend to have a sense of losing our identity when God is continually telling us who we are. And usually it's just a process of remembering and believing who we actually are, that we are his children, that he does love us, that he is the person we told us to do. And I love that the first two steps are really about knowing, knowing the cry of the heart, knowing who you are, what your identity is. And then you'll have the last step, right? Which is um, in, the, in the book is actually the section section you write. So what's that third step? Yeah, the third one is overcoming fear. And, and to your last point, again, it's the being told we're cosmic orphans that we're, we're products of random chance. And that flies in the face of the gospel, of a father who knows us and cares about us. Even the Old Testament to think about like, I formed you from the womb, I, I know you, like, the, the ancient Israelites understood like God is on our side and we are constantly drinking from this kind of practical atheistic cup today mm-hmm. and to reclaim, like to reclaim that. No, no, no. Um, my God is a God who knows me and, and loves me and, and is on my side. What, what do I have to fear? And that's, that's the third pieces of the first chapter is overcoming fear because before we even make a, a motion to step out to a big decision, a career change, Fear is going to re- rear its ugly head. In one of the Dark Knight films, it, it talks. They talk about like fear will find you. I think it's where he's trying to climb out of the pit. Like you, ha- right. fear, fear will find you, and you have to. You almost have to let it find you and face it. Like look it in the face and then punch it in the face. And like <laughs> you acknowledge it and you say, "All right, get out of my, get out of here." To run from it, to let fear make us cower in a corner, we're not going to get anywhere. Again, if God is on our side, what do we have to fear? Because fear will just lock us in place of whatever the the decision is, the the risk of failure, which may paralyze us, the risk of success, which is even uh, a funny thing. Even with this book, there was this uh, element of fear of what if uh, if it doesn't work? What if it does work? Yeah, it's interesting, the human condition we live in. So acknowledging fear, that, that is a real factor, in the journey and but not letting it drive the bus. Yeah, I love that you noted that like the fear of success is such a real thing that we don't want to acknowledge. Like I think we're actually way more comfortable around thinking if I just don't do anything that even even if it's bad, even if I kind of am a failure at that point in time, well then I can always say, well, I just didn't act on it. Like we're way more comfortable with living in the status quo. I think oftentimes that fear of failure is much more real than we want. Like I'm currently in the process of um, of rediscerning some of my my charisms. This is like Catherine F. Siena called and gifted institute like charisms because I I've never I've always avoided assuming that I have a charism of leadership. Yeah. But the reality is I start new initiatives. I lead teams forward all the time. But mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be number two. And the reason I've always been more comfortable as number two is because I feel like well. I'm not really good at these certain things. So there's a sense at which I was telling myself, it's just me being humble. But the reality is I was afraid. I'm afraid to be the person in charge. And so I resist lots of times the term of 
uh, leader or being at the top of a group because I am afraid of the responsibility of that. And that actually prevents success in my life a whole lot because then I say, I'm going to put it on others so that when it fails or if it fails, I can say, well, they didn't do their thing rather than me having to take ownership of what both success and failure might might look like. And I think that's such a real thing that we'd rather not try and and not have something happen than we would risk success and risk what success looked like and the way it might completely fit, flip our lives upside down. Well, I had a friend in college who told me like, she would purposely not study for tests because what if she studied and really, really studied and still got like a B or B minus like that for her would be worse than, you know, just not caring at or acting like she didn't care and going in like, whatever, I, I didn't study any, like you have a, a, an escape route, you have an es- excuse ready, like, oh yeah, I, I procrastinated and whatever. The fear of, yeah, like I put my heart and soul into this and what if it doesn't work? Again, it's the kind of the human condition. We, we'd rather save face maybe and, and you know, escape. But I, I think, again, to your point, to being honest with, you know, what God has that, you know, that is humble is, is knowing who you are, not thinking you're a piece of dirt. Like, God, you have given me certain gifts. You have given me certain leadership capabilities. I've, I see it in you. You started companies. You've started different like movements within the church trying to help people like that wouldn't otherwise exist. It, again, I'm, I'm kind of with you and the reluctant leader, like Moses, like, no, no, pick that guy over there. He's going to be way yeah. better. And God's like, nope, like I need you to do it. And that's yeah. Uh, scary. Yeah. So the, the three steps are knowing the cry of your heart, knowing who you are and overcoming fear. So that's knowing the cry of your heart, uh, knowing the question that you're struggling or wrestling with and really kind of diving into the core of that. Uh, in the book, there's a there's a, um, a kind of set of starter questions. The the big life questions that we all ask are, are kind of universal. Like they, they deal with, again, some of those same things like identity. Is there more to life than this? Is, is God real? Is there a real thing? How can I be of service to others? Like these are real things that we wrestle with and struggle with. So knowing the cry of your heart, knowing who you are, receiving that identity, speaking that identity. Like I am kind of enthralled with the concept lately of like how we speak truth and identity over our children, mm. like how we name who they are. Like we oftentimes, like all parents typically, uh, like good parents or, or mediocre parents, because that's oftentimes where I consider myself. Everyone wants to tell their child they're good. Everybody wants to compliment their child or see their child be successful. But how often are we intentionally speaking a truth about that child's identity over them? How often, as we name who our child is, are we naming absolute aspects about the person we see God made them be? But also, how are we doing that for ourselves, like knowing who we are and receiving that? And then overcoming fear, taking those those steps out in faith. So those are the things we want to kind of try, look at experiment this week, uh, spend some time around. We're going to close out with some practical calls to action on how you can do that. Um, and if you don't have the book, if you don't get the book, all um, the week this comes out, I'll be posting a couple big life questions um, every day that you can reflect on uh, in the Bearded Virtues Facebook group, which there's a link down in the show notes. Uh, you can track over to that. It'll also come in your email if you're doing the Nazarite Challenge. Uh, as well. But um, every every time we gather, we also want to look at kind of the story of uh, a saint or a certain saint who we can kind of ask the intercession of. And one of my one of my patrons, I have an, an Augustinian temperament, um, like I have a Socratic methodology, Augustinian temperament, uh, as far as as far as prayer goes, um, and spirituality goes. And so St. Augustine, uh, a lot of you guys are probably familiar with his story. Um, he's the the doctor of grace within the church. So he he spends a lot of time talking about how we receive God's grace, which I think is 
so essential for understanding so much of this. He uh, was raised as a Christian by his mother, who is also a saint, Saint Monica. Uh, his father was was not a Christian. Uh, he went off to school, uh, studied philosophy, fell in with uh, a heresy uh, of, of the time, um, and then eventually through Saint Ambrose interceding in his life, who was the local bishop at that point in time, um, had a huge conversion of heart uh, and came back to the faith and uh, became one of the, the earliest formers of what we do and understand as Christians, not just in the West, but in the East also. So such a powerful saint, such an amazing story. Um, somebody to definitely be asking intercession. Uh, three quotes from him that I think are absolutely amazing, um, and especially in some of these conversations. The first one may seem a little bit off, but uh, give me chastity, but not yet, which um, uh, I think is the reason I love that quote is not because I don't want chastity in my life, but because I totally understand and it, it humanizes and connects me to St. Augustine so much. The fact that we all desire good, we all desire virtue. Sometimes we don't know if we're ready for it right now. Um, sometimes we feel lost in that. Uh, another one that's been super important for me is a huge part of this challenge. The beard signifies the courageous. The beard distinguishes the grown man, the earnest, the active, the vigorous, so that when we describe such, we say he is a bearded man. So are you living a life of courage? Are you living a life of virtue? Those are things we want to continually be challenging you to. Uh, and one that's in the book that is, uh, I think, so important for us to reflect on in our daily lives. You have made us yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Bobby, for that uh, for that last quote, is that one that, that you source at Father Mike's source? Did that come from somewhere else? Like, why was that quote about our hearts being restless until they rest in God an important thing for the process of discernment? Um, just to, to know the ache, to know that common human ache. And that's something I felt throughout my 20s, throughout my time in seminary, and even, even as a married man in a job I really enjoy. I still have the restless ache. I still have the ache for God. Like, this is not it on this side of heaven. So to ground yourself in that, everything that is not of God isn't God. So even the good, <laughs> even, even the, it's, it's, it's stupid, but even no, it's great. Even like the job you are aiming for in love, that's great. And there are some, but there are some days where it will be a job. And even the most you know beautiful spouse that you marry is still a human person, and you are the same as well. You are not God. You cannot fulfill all the needs of, of the spouse, like we still have this restless ache and that to recognize that is a good thing to not let that drive you crazy. And I've heard it translated too as our heart is restless. I've heard it translated as the singular mm -hmm. uh, to, to really stress the commonality of our common human heart. Nothing except God will satisfy the heart. And so in whatever you may be uh, deciding right now in this season of life, um, again, job or career change or relationship or school or whatever, know that God is the point. God is the destination. Whatever this decision is, is not the end all be all. It's, it's part of, it's a step in the, in the journey and to really rest in, you know, and, and I'd say for a practical challenge, Tony's going to give another one or two, but a practical challenge for this week is in your prayer to slow down and spend, first of all, spend time in prayer and really pray, God, help me to see myself as you see me. Mm. Help me to, and, and stay with that. Don't just pray it and, and walk away. Take 10 minutes and let that be your central prayer. God, help me to see myself as you see me. Tony, you talked about the importance of the father speaking truth over his kids. And that's something I really try to do. I have, again, two girls. I know like trying to just 
pour out love upon them. You know, you're beautiful. You're good. You're lovely. Like before anything you do or earn, like that's just who you are. And I'm proud of you for existing. Not, I don't want any lies, even age five, three to somehow get, you know, become a part of them. So and it's not, it's not achievement oriented. Like, it's not like you did a good job, right? Um, it's not like, Hey, you got a good, good grade or you got to, it's, it's speaking and receiving like the inherent aspect of like, you are so smart, right? Like not, you got a good grade, right? Or you yeah. are so strong, right? Like not, you hit that ball really well. I mean, like those, those naming the, the core intrinsic value in that person is what God continually does to us. Cause he isn't looking for what we can achieve. Yeah. It's, it's right? not, it's not, you showed up, you get a trophy. It's uh, you are, you are good in your existence and mm-hmm. you, yeah, I, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Uh, there's no wall you won't crash through or whatever. <laughs> um, we can but, tell, we can tell who, who the singer is in your family. That's the, uh... it's not me. I let other people <laughs> sing. I just, I play cowbell. The, yeah, yeah. I would just say your prayer, let there, let that be the starting point of, um, or restarting point. If you need to be reminded of this, if you're in a walk of faith, you're, you really are trying to, you've been trying to do the disciple thing, but you know, it gets tough. You get worn down, life gets busy and, uh, to reconnect with God, God, help me to see myself as you see me. And we're going to hit the rest of our practical tips right after a word from our sponsors over at Ascension Press. So I want to thank Ascension Press especially for being one of our sponsors and partners for this year's Nazarite Challenge. Uh, Remember, you can actually get a discount on the copy of the book that we are talking about, Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, written by Bobby, Jackie, and Father Mike Schmitz. Um, You can get a discount on that by using the code NOSHAVE. Um, There's a link down in the show notes, but I also want to talk to you about the Great Adventure Bible. Now, when I was teaching RCIA at a parish, one of the things that a lot of the candidates I was working with, and a lot of them were people who had been going to a Catholic church for a while or who grew up Catholic and had gotten some formation, and some of them were coming into the church fresh. Something they all struggled with was understanding the overall narrative, the kind of the sweeping big picture of scripture. And every time we went to go break this down, whether it was in RCIA, adult formation classes with people, they always struggled to see how the different parts of the Bible fit together. And that's one of the things that I love about the Great Adventure Bible and all the Great Adventure resources by Jeff Cavins and Ascension Press. I've been using them forever. And when the Great Adventure Bible came out, I was incredibly excited to just dive into it. Now, I have my Bible that I've used forever that I'm emotionally connected to that has the Great Adventure tabs in it. But the Great Adventure Bible took all of the things that I love about the tabs, other resources, Jeff Cavins and Dr. Mary Healy and other people at Ascension Press and with that project had done. And it took them all and it built a Bible based on the things that help Catholics engage scripture and the way that they're supposed to and and really get the most out of the story of scripture. It teaches how everything in the Bible ties together. It gets rid of the complexity of reading the Bible without diminishing any of the deep, rich beauty of what scripture is. And it's the only Bible that incorporates all of the things um, from Jeff Caven's revolutionary Bible timeline learning system, which is like color-coded for easy references, uh, detailed charts, full maps, full colors, key event callouts, and articles that help you understanding, again, that overarching story, important covenants, and how the other supporting books fit into each of those. In addition to the discount code for the Nazarite Challenge, uh, no shave for that book from Bobby. If you're going to go ahead and get on there and get that book, I'd encourage you to check out The Great Adventure Bible and use the discount code BIBLE15 
for a very, very rare, like very not very oftenly given out, discount of 15%. I'm gonna use the discount code Bible15. So it's no shave for the discount on Bobby's book and Bible15 for a discount on the Bible. If you don't have a good Catholic Bible, you need to have one right now. When I buy a Bible for someone, uh, my backup Bible, my secondary Bible, because sometimes I can't find my my favorite prized uh, Bible because I was traveling and it's in luggage and I, I back at home and haven't unpacked yet, is the Great Adventure Bible. And I really want to encourage you guys to go out there. And if you don't have one, because ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ and Ascension Press and Jeff Caven's Adventure Bible have made it incredibly easy for you to dive into the adventure of scripture in the adventure of your own life. So we've got a couple practical tips, like Bobby said, at the end of every episode. So that's the first one. Uh, slow down in your prayer life uh, and pray, help me see myself as you see me. Uh, also, if you haven't yet, uh, we want you to join the Bearded Virtue Facebook group. And that's not just like, so we have you in our system. I mean, that is a part of it. I'm not going to lie. I'm a totally strategic individual. But more so, it's about creating a community of accompaniment through this process, uh, week in, week out, uh, in the future, you know, monthly. Uh, we'll be dropping different conversation points in there. We'll, we'll, we'll have accountability in that group uh, for following up with each other. You'll also hear amazing stories about how people are discerning, how people are living virtue, and how people are really following after God's will in their life. We've seen amazing transformation happen in the lives of guys in that group. Vocation changes, life changes, marriages healed, other things like that through the community in that group and through the work that the Holy Spirit first and foremost is doing in the hearts of those guys. So join the Bearded Virtue Facebook group. You can search it or there's a link down in the show notes. Uh, and the next one I want to say is uh, I want to encourage you as you're slowing down in your, in your prayer time, taking maybe 10 to 15 minutes a day and asking God to tell you your identity. I also want you to just kind of wrestle with that, that line from Augustine. Uh, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And I want you to ask God at the end of your prayer, after you've named your identity, after you've meditated on that verse, ask him to reveal what your heart most desires. Um, ask him to reveal kind of that place of restlessness. I think lots of times we have a tendency to make that the enemy, that we need to um, have that restlessness cease. But so often God is speaking to us in that restlessness. He's giving us a desire in our heart for something that will lead us closer to him. And that's why I know for me, as soon as I found myself in a place of saying, ah, and just having that moment of rest as I pay attention to what my heart wants then, there's still more. There's always more that God is calling me to, and that restlessness and that desire helps lead me there. So joining the Facebook group, slowing down in your prayer, asking God for your identity, and then meditating on that line from Augustine, you have made us for yourself, our Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I mean, just kind of seeking the desire of your heart. Um, Bobby, I know the Facebook group's kind of a small one. I think it's an important one. Any other practical tips you want guys to reflect on? No, if you've made it this far. <laughs> and I mean, again, there's, there's, if you actually have someone IRL in real life that, um, do kids still do that? IRL. Yeah. I mean, we're also not talking to kids for the most part. I mean, these are going to probably, it's a Facebook group. These are old dudes for the most part. There may be some hip young teenagers in the mix though. I'm hip. I'm with it. If you can talk to someone face to face, I think that's always optimal. If you've got another person in your life, you can share this decision with, because sometimes we keep the big stuff in our heads and we keep it to ourselves. But if you've got a trusted person, a coworker, a good friend, even like a, a priest, a mentor, someone you haven't connected with in a while, reach out to them. God may want to speak truth through that person to you. And maybe again, you're going to bless them by entrusting them in your process. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, that's if you had to choose between 
joining a Facebook group and meeting with a few guys locally week in, week out during the course of the next month, a hundred percent meet with people locally, meet with people who can, who you can be in soul to soul contact with, who can pray over you, who can speak truth into your life, who know you on a personal level. Uh, it's way better. It's one of the reasons, one of the challenges for Nazarite uh, challenges to enter into community. Um, and though we provide that online in person is always better. Uh, it's always going to feed you more deeply. So next time uh, we are going to enter into the kind of the second step, which is search and discern. Now, Bobby, I know that we mentioned having a couple guests on in the future. Uh, we're going to try to figure that out. I know we don't have all the details yet, but I know we're going to try to get your wife, Jackie, on at, at some point, which will be the first time we've ever had a woman on uh, any of the Bearded Virtue content. Breaking, so it'll breaking be the digital you know, feeling. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're stepping out uh, in, in trust that God's just going to reward us uh, through that. I love Jackie. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Um, I, told Bobby, her, if people... I told her she has to grow a beard. by. Uh, <laughs> get well, I mean, you're the one who has to look at it. So uh, <laughs> where can people find you online? What's the best way to touch base with you? Or where do you just want to point people to on the internet? Funny enough, I check probably Instagram. The most. Instagram's like my happy place. Like you can you can message me over that. I'll try to check it. We do have a website, jackingbobby.com, that we update not very often, but you can also reach us there. And then the YouTube stuff that we do regularly with Ascension presents. And so the Ascension presents channel, we, we're up there like once a week recording stuff. And so cool. know that just know that if again, uh, really on our hearts, is is anyone trying to follow God's will? confused, scared, um, overwhelmed, because we were both in it and, and the journey's worth it, you know? So we're, we're praying for all you guys. Awesome. Uh, and I'll link to all of those things down in the show notes. You can find me, uh, Tony Vicinda. I'm the only one that exists. It's the great thing about having an Americanized Greek Slavic name. There's no other Tony Vicinda's yet. Uh, and so at Tony Vicinda on most things are catholicbomb.co. We again want to thank all of our sponsors, especially uh, Ascension Press, who who publishes uh, Bobby and Jackie's book. Uh, they've been a great partner to have step in with us uh, for this month of the Nazarite Challenge. Catholic Balm Co., which helps underwrite uh, everything I do, supports our household uh, and supports one of our other sponsors, Project YM. And then the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, um, who are our spiritual support and chaplaincy uh, for Bearded Virtues and for the Nazarite Challenge. They're going to be offering a mass uh, in the month of November that we're going to have available via live stream uh, for this intention from their uh, their formation center in Detroit. Uh, but they are based out of Phoenix, Arizona. If you've never checked out the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, they're one of the newest Franciscan houses in the U.S. I absolutely love their mission. I love the guys who are involved in it. Please go check them out. Please keep them. And all of our sponsors in your prayers. Until next time, gentlemen, stop shaving and start praying. <laughs>